0: My name is Sarah Inglis and I'm a Certified Integrative Health Coach. I help people thrive in their bodies and reclaim the help they've always wanted. Each week, I interview people who have a passion for health. You'll hear from health experts, farmers, herbalists, doctors, chefs, and many more. My hope is that they'll inspire us all to tune into our gut and notice how lifestyle and food impact us. Today, I'm speaking with Ricky Dare, who is the manager of the meat department of Farm and Coast Market, located on the south coast of Massachusetts. His work in the food industry on the west and east coasts has ranged from saute cook to pastry chef, until he found his passion for whole animal butchery Today's conversation will empower you to make informed decisions about buying and eating healthy and delicious meat. Welcome, Ricky. I'm so glad to be with you today on this snowy morning.
1: (laughs) Glad to be here.
0: (laughs) Ricky, I am so curious to know what made you... I guess I, I have a lot of questions, but the first one is, what made you... Was it a conscious decision to get into the restaurant and food business? What did you get into that to begin with, before you even got into being a butcher, but
1: Um, I, I kind of fell into it really. Um, when I was, I moved to California right out of high school, um, and I needed a job. So the easiest one to get into at the time was, was cooking. Um, and it all just kind of just went from there really. Um, yeah, it was a lot of, it was started out with a lot of fun. Um, you know, it was interesting learning all of the tricks and, and techniques and, and the fast pace, you know, out. Yeah. There's nothing quite like a dinner service in a restaurant. It's a lot of fun. Um and then just kept working in different restaurants. Um moved back to the east coast to Boston um and started at a couple restaurants in the Brookline area. Um and moved around a bit, went to some some other restaurants. Ended up at a hotel doing pastry for a while. Um, And I didn't really like a lot of it. It was kind of, it was getting old, I guess. Um, And I got a job at a restaurant in Brookline called uh, the Washington Square Tavern. And we, when I started there, they had just started to transition from like frozen French fries and like buying steaks in a bag and cooking them. Um, they just, they wanted to get away from that and do more scratch cooking and whole animal butchering. Um, and I was all on board for that because all of the other restaurant jobs I had were starting to get boring and repetitive and just kind of redundant. Um, so just kind of fell into the whole animal butchering. Um, I was the prep guy at that place at the time and I got so some books.
0: You, let me just interrupt. So prep guy, does that mean that you were prepping on all different dishes or just
1: in yeah i was i was like the guy in the morning that would just get as much as i could get ready for everybody else as possible so like i would come in and make make stocks um different sauces pasta um stuff like that and then once we got into the whole animal butchery stuff um supplying the restaurant with meat was my like main task every day um,
0: wow, so that meant you had to source it. Is that what that means?
1: The, the chef would do a lot of the sourcing. Um, but then we, we like the animal would come in the building and it was my job to get as much as we could out of it. Um, as far as steaks go and then figure out or help figure out ways to process all that stuff into anything the restaurant needed, you know, the chefs would, uh, Chris Cronin, the, uh, the chef at the place at the time, um, you know, he would say, let's, you know, I want to make this dish tonight as a special. And then I'd help him process all that stuff and, 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 uh, get it ready to go.
0: So how do you learn, how do you learn how to butcher a whole animal?
1: I mean, I,
0: was it trial I was, by fire?
1: Pretty much. Yeah. There was, <laughs> there was, there was, a. There was a uh, quite a while where I spent most of my days like with a book next to me on the next to my cutting board and I would cut meat with a book next to me yeah
0: wow so is there a bible of I you know I think of cookbooks there's certain bibles that have been you know standard. yeah this is, I don't know about a
1: bible but as far as like a good book to have um there's a few of them by Adam Danforth the book is just called butchering and he's got one he's got one book for beef it's got one book for, um, pork, veal, chicken, lamb, basically everything else. Um, oh, okay. but they're great. There's tons of pictures in there. Um, which is great when you're trying to, you know, learn it as you go. <laughs>
0: Recognize so, <what>? <laughs> <yeah>.
1: <laughs> so that was challenging for sure. But, uh, wow, but that's yeah.
0: really, wow. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, so we went from frozen French fries at that place to making our own salami and basically like 100% locally sourced meat.
0: The other things that you did, you got bored with them because they were too redundant. So what makes this? I'm guessing this is not re, so redundant. <laughs> so what? So but what? What makes it so exciting or or novel?
1: I, I like the fact that I can, um, I don't know. You, you're taking something from one, you, I don't know. You're following like the whole process all the way through. You're butchering the animal. You're processing that into anything you want, really. It could be anything from soup to salami, shepherd's pies, um, all, just all sorts of stuff. Um, I don't know. I like the, it feels more of like a trade or a craft to me than than being a line cook so
0: right well it sounds very creative too
1: yeah yeah a lot of, you have a lot of options you have a lot of a lot of routes you can go with it hmm.
0: so is it is there one aspect of it that you enjoy more than others like like when you say oh making salami or bro- i mean do you like so you cure meats right too mm-hmm. uh, yep. and coast so so I mean, I can't even. Met, that's a whole nother process.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's a pretty big one. I think I think that's my favorite is is doing um, like salami production and and curing hams and stuff like that.
0: So are recipes for things like that? I think of them as being cultural, you know, identifying certain oh yeah cultures. yeah cultures. So so do you experiment? I mean, are there certain techniques just, that you've learned to really like or prefer or think are better or? More healthy or more delicious?
1: I guess probably the bulk of the recipes that I use the most are probably like French and Italian uh-huh. styles of like sausage cured sausages and stuff like that. But there's I mean there's so many. Um, you know Spanish cured hams and uh chorizos and stuff like that are there are they get pretty in depth there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of them so right. um i don't know there's a pretty good blend of of everything that i go through i guess wow. I don't know if any one stands out more than the other
0: and is is that based on um what you want to do or what the animal presents that or it's the market Um, need, I guess, too.
1: Obviously, it's mostly the needs of the market. Um, but the, I mean, some animals, like some pig breeds, um, kind of lend themselves much more towards like curing than they would like just selling pork chops or something like that. Like, there's a there's a breed called Mangalitsa, Uh which is like extremely fatty, um, and almost unsalable like in the butcher case like if i put pork chops in there from there everybody comes up to the counter and goes oh those are way too fatty i don't want any of those <laughs> um but if you put it it's it's a totally different thing um because it's you know if you make cured hams with it or some salami or whatever it's it, i don't know it goes a lot further um and you can actually it's much easier to eat the fat on it once it's cured and all that, than than it is on a pork chop. So I have to
0: say, I bought one of those huge pork chops once in the market. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. It was the best pork chop I'd ever, and I'm not exaggerating ever had in my life. Yeah. All I did is pan fry it. Boom. Well,
1: so that's, that's all you need. Salt, maybe some oh, pepper,
0: pepper, <laughs> that was it. Whoa. Yeah. It was like butter. So what makes, okay, so that gets me to <laughs> wonder about what in your, in your ex- professional experience, what makes meat tender? What, I mean, like that pork chop was unlike any pork chop. I mean,
1: I've ever had before. Yeah, yeah, they're good. Well-raised well pork, um, goes a long way. You know, if it's, if it spent its whole life like sitting in a like sitting on the floor of a barn and not really walking around that much, not getting any exercise, not eating a good diet, um, it's not going to taste that great. Um, it's you need you, you want pigs that are running around, like climbing up and down hills. This uh, one of our farmers he, he just stopped this year, um, or I guess last year was his last year um, raising pigs, but. he he swore that, you know, having pigs, he had most of his pigs on the side of a hill and they'd walk, they'd go down the hill and then he fed them at the top of the hill. So they were constantly going up and down the side of this hill. Um, And it it develops them more, you know, they get more muscular. um, And all of that leads to just better flavor development in the, in the animal. And then if he's feeding them a good diet and they're, they got a good, you know, good fat content, good marbling. Um, it just leads to more tender, delicious meat. Wow.
0: So I know, for example, um, you know, when I'm looking for vegetables, I try to buy local or organic non GMO. Mm -hmm. So what, um, what, what do you look for? Let's as a consumer yourself. So what do you look for when you're purchasing meat for yourself?
1: Um, I try like non GMO organic if it's like within reason for me, um, price wise, but I try to get it organic whenever possible. Um, non GMO is good. And I tr- like, I try to go local whenever I can. Um, the, we ended up, we, I buy, we usually get a lot of our meat from the market, um, over at farm and coast. Mm -hmm. and I find that just the quality just is just better than what you can get at a grocery store um so I try to do that whenever I can and and knowing the right cut to get um goes a long way too you know I mean yeah
0: do you have a favorite cut or what are some of your favorite cuts that's a good point yeah
1: yeah I um I think Beef shanks are one of my favorite. They have a ton of flavor to them. Um, they're a great braising cut. Um, you can it, grinding them and making a sauce with it is phenomenal. Um, they make the best bolognese, the best chili, um, and if you like, if you want to do just a braised piece of meat on top of some potatoes or something, <laughs> you can't get much better than that. Um, they're pretty great. As far as steaks go, I don't know. It's a toss up. Um, hanger steaks are definitely up there and one of my favorite, um, flat irons, picanha, they're all good.
0: I don't know the difference between a hanger <laughs> and a flat iron. I need pictures. Yeah. Do they look, yeah, I'm assuming they look very different.
1: Yeah, they all look pretty, pretty, uh, distinct to me anyway. But yeah, they all have different uses, you know, like flat iron steaks they don't work too hard. They're nice and tender. Um, and then other cuts, skirt steak's good one. Um, oh. I think it, if I'm remembering correctly, it helps function with like the diaphragm. So it's like constantly like contracting and stuff like that. Oh. Um, like constantly all like the whole time the animal's alive, it's just working. Um, so it can be a little bit more tough, but it has a ton of flavor to it, um, and great texture. I think if you cook it right.
0: Yeah. Um. So does the exercise? Does that the exercise of the animal? It, it that gives the the meat more flavor? You think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It oh, it does. Oh, okay. I just never thought of it that way. You know, when you read just as a consumer, you read the label, oh, you want to get grass fed. And I'm thinking, yeah. well, yeah, it's nice to walk around, but, um, and you don't,
1: but. Too, like too much exercise, like, a, you know, a, an animal that's just only walking around and like running all day is, is not good.
0: No, nice. <laughs> You need okay. some, you need some relaxation.
1: To balance, yeah. Um, But yeah, it leads to more flavor development and more structure to the animal, so yeah. Right,
0: Do you find this information helpful? Is there a certain topic you'd like us to cover? Leave us a comment and review about what you'd like to hear. How do you? Source things that are locally. What what do you consider local? Within sixty miles, or just within the state, or what? I, I kind of <laughs> <laughs> that it doesn't get on an airplane.
1: <laughs> Not getting on I an airplane. No, just is, I'm throwing that out. I thought,
0: <laughs> that's local, mean anyway. <laughs>
1: um, I, I think everyone's uh, definition of local is a little different. Um, yeah, you know. I try to get stuff as close as possible, as long as it's good quality. Um, I I kind of value quality a little bit more than local. Um, There's, I mean, there's tons of local farms and there's a lot of local farms that aren't really that great. Um, So it's, it's a bit of a balance again. Um, I kind of source stuff from the new England area. So if it's, you know, if it's coming from Maine or New Hampshire, that's still pretty local in my book.
0: Right. Yeah. Do you do taste tests? I mean,
1: usually what happens is I'll, I'll end up buying a pig. I, I feel like uh, pork usually has the most experimentation as far as like, all right, which one's better? Is this farm better than that farm? You know, does a pig running up hills all day actually taste better? Um, you know, whatever the diet is, I'll usually end up getting a pig, butchering it, and then saving a pork chop from that pig. And then getting another pig and, you know, maybe have one in the freezer of, of a previous pig that I've had. Um, and we'll, and I'll cook both of them at the market and s- put them in front of somebody who's working that day and say, all right, try one and <laughs> see which one tastes better. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really just, just eating it next to each other. Yeah. Right. Tasting it and see which one's better.
0: So what kind you of can- diet do you look for what, what, uh, that the animals are fed?
1: Um, with beef, I, it's nice. I like, I don't like a hundred percent grass fed beef. Um, I've, it doesn't usually get the right fat content to be, to have like really good, it, it has a different flavor, I guess it's like grassy. Um, and I've found a lot of people kind of prefer you know, a little bit of corn in the diet or a little bit of grain. So usually I find the best stuff that I've had has been like pasture raised and then finished on corn or grain or something like that. Um, and then you get a nice mix. You get, you get a nice mix of flavors in there and it's not super lean. And then pigs, the best stuff is, you know, out them out foraging, looking for nuts and worms and, eating tree roots and stuff like that. Um, Carter Wilkie, uh, over at Hickory Oak farm, um, you know, his were out. He cleared, he cleared a few acres of his land with the pigs. Um, that's, that's like why he started, um, doing it. So he cleared out a whole bunch of land with them and they were great. They run around rooting around looking for stuff. Um, yeah. So, better than goats (laughs) maybe a little bit more it's like the bulldozers of the livestock yeah wow
0: i think a lot of people from my perspective as a health coach are more uh interested in what they eat uh, because they've been spending more time at home there hasn't been as much socializing so has that made you sort of create new dishes or?
1: Um, I've, I've noticed people buying more like larger cuts of meat or not necessarily larger, but stuff that requires more time to cook. Right. Like, like pot roasts or like just larger roasts and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Pre-COVID we were, I mean, during the summer we still saw a ton of steaks and stuff like that, but. Yeah, of
0: course.
1: Um, it's kind of shifted more towards like slow cooking stuff and, Things that people can spend some time making at home, uh, mm-hmm. which which is great. I think that's the best way to do it.
0: So, do you have? You said that uh, now I'm getting hungry. <laughs> I have to drive over to the market and buy a piece of meat. But not there today, so. <laughs> but um, I you said that you know a uh, uh, beef shank you love. I am, I've never I don't think I've ever cooked a beef shank in my life
1: they're great they're
0: great so how
1: do you cook them? um have you ever cooked short ribs
0: yes a long time ago
1: but or like a pot roast or something yes, like yes, that yeah, yeah similar to that um usually what i do is i'll sear it in a pan first or sear it in a dutch oven mm-hmm. uh, a little salt and pepper um and just sear it until it's nice golden brown it's got a nice crust on it mm-hmm. um and then throw in a bunch of carrots, some onions, celery, and some herbs. Um, Sweat those a little bit, some red wine, some beef stock, and just let it kind of slowly simmer in the oven at like, I don't know, 300 degrees, 275. Okay. The slower you can go, the better, um, if you have time uh but are home all day or
0: whatever. Yeah. yeah. What but I like <laughs> Yeah.
1: At 300 degrees it'll probably take 3 hours, 4 hours. Yeah. Um but there's it's they're so delicious when they're done. There's so much collagen in the in the meat um that it just melts into the sauce. Um you get a little marrow bone around it or inside okay. of it. Um, so you get some bone marrow, so you get a little fat, and you get all the marrow from that. And then all that collagen just leads to just just delicious, like sticky sauce, which is pretty great. Just so healthy. it's great for pasta. It's great, yeah, it's great. It's it is healthy. Yeah, it's good for it's your skin. Very it's healthy. Life. No, and
0: I think that even um, i like to make something that's really delicious, meat-wise, maybe I probably I do that once a week.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um because I have leftovers so
1: mm-hmm. and you don't need to do it every day I feel like that's a bit overkill everything yeah. in balance I guess
0: yeah it's sort of like dessert you yeah. know <laughs> Dessert's good, but yeah. you don't want to have dessert every day <laughs> oh. and if you have dessert make sure it's a really good one yeah. not a Twinkie
1: <laughs> and that's I feel like that's a good way to look at meat too you know if yeah, you're gonna if you're gonna buy it and you're gonna eat it make sure it's good and you know
0: it makes all the difference in terms of uh really I keep thinking about the pork chop. It makes all yeah. the difference yeah. in terms of the flavor, the satisfaction. You don't need to eat it. You mm-hmm. don't feel like you need to eat as much because it is so delicious and flavorful.
1: Um, I'd rather eat we don't eat a ton of meat here at home. We like we eat a lot of chicken, um, but not a ton of not a ton of pork, not a ton of beef. When we do it's usually something you know, it's kind of like a special occasion thing. You know, you eat, mm-hmm. I'd rather eat one good pork chop every two weeks than a pork chop from Stop and Shop every week or every couple of days, you know? Right, right. So, I
0: couldn't agree more with you.
1: Yeah. Everything in moderation.
0: Everything in moderation. <laughs> so, do you have plans? I, do you have plans for the future of things that, I don't know, that you want to do? things that you haven't created at the market that you I don't know if that means curing different things or or going into the Spanish although that seems to be an art form I think curing yeah, yeah. ham in Spain isn't
1: it curing hams is 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 yeah it's very much an art form and it's very a lot of time but it's very abstract there's no like this is how you make a better ham it's it's a lot more like you need a really good pig and you need a lot of time and then, no, and then it'll be really good
0: to put it. Yeah. You need, um,
1: you need like a temperature and humidity controlled environment for it. Um, you know, if you have a cave, that's great. Um, but most people don't. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, we made a, we made a, uh, we made a, uh, a cured, Pig leg um, at the market um, when we first opened, and I tried it for the first time after three years. Um, wow! And it was really good, um, but it.
0: Not you so, don't have it anymore,
1: right? No, no, we
0: get some. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we don't have any right now. I've got a batch of salami that I'm working on that's uh, curing right now, but we don't do any more. Um, cured hams anymore it's it's just too much space we just don't have much
0: yeah that's what it sounds like and
1: with a with a two-year lead time at least for it to be any to be any good then it's not really yeah feasible at the Mm. current location so
0: and so for the salamis do those just dry do they have to be in a temperature controlled
1: yeah same same environment as the ham Uh Um, but the lead time on those is you know a month so it's a lot better than two years or a year um we can do some smaller hams in like maybe six months four to six months um some copa which is like cured um pork shoulder um and they're usually done a little bit faster but but even still a 6 month lead time in the curing room that we have the curing chamber that we have is is pretty small. It's like a house fridge. It's mm-hmm. bigger than that but you know roughly a house fridge size. Right. So wow.
0: Well, might have to whip over there to get some
1: well the salami should be done um probably march 1st ish somewhere around there okay so
0: i'm putting that in my calendar right now
1: we're we're sold out right now so (laughs) i'll make sure to set some aside for you
0: oh thanks (laughs) i mean do you ever have vegetarians come up to the counter ask you some interesting questions about the meat or no
1: they're usually largely uninterested um or they try to not engage with me at all like every once in a while there'll be somebody who comes up to the counter and they say i need three steaks and i ask them okay well what kind of steaks do you want we had a whole bunch of them um and they're like i don't know i'm a vegetarian and And they're just coming in to pick up something for their friends. Usually the interaction I get with vegetarians is, hey, where's the veggie burgers or something like that. Um, But most of the time they're not really interested in discussing with the butcher.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, all food, you know, is energy, no matter Mm -hmm. what you eat, right? And Mm -hmm. vegetables have energy, and mm-hmm. it depends how they've been grown and so animals too so i mean
1: and you want good energy going into that you know
0: yeah exactly so do you have a sense when you're when you're buying from a farm of you know what the energy is like on the farm you know what the you can environment, i guess you know yeah
1: i mean you can kind of tell in the end result a little bit you know if the, if the pig doesn't have much fat on it Um, if it's a good size pig and it doesn't have that much fat on it, you know, it might not have been eaten that great. Um, if it's really soft, uh, there's a, I can't remember the technical term for it. Um, but there's a condition that happens with, uh, pork, um, that leads to like soft mushy meat, um, which is not a good thing at all. You know, it usually is because of stress or poor genetics or something like that that leads to meat that's like really soft it has a totally different ph um and can be a little bit acidic tough watery and just not very good um that rarely happens with anything that i've been buying but um but but it is out there and there are you know farms that struggle with it and it's so some of the stuff you can tell, um, other stuff, the only way to find out is to actually go there and, and look yeah, at the
0: I was going to say, do you, do you field trips and walk around?
1: I guess yeah, we do. We, sometimes we do. Yeah. Yeah. We've had, we used to do them a lot more in the past. At this point, we've gotten down to a few farms that we regularly buy from. Um, mm-hmm. so there's not as much of a need to do it now, but, but in the past we have done a lot of farm visits and stuff. Yeah.
0: Great. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. Is there anything that you'd like to share or you want people to know about
1: <laughs> talking I, to the butcher? <laughs> I just, just that you should talk to the butcher more. You should, you know, be a little bit more adventurous and experimental with the stuff that you eat. you know, it's not just ground beef and ribeyes. There's tons more. There's a lot more yeah. there than, you know
0: that that really that is such a great um suggestion I just remember I grew up in New Bedford and my Mm -hmm. mother used to go to this what was it called well anyway there was this little grocery store on the corner you know a butcher so you were best friends with the butcher
1: yeah
0: you know I mean back in a long time ago (laughs) people (laughs) really did yeah there was always a a face like there is at farm and coast, there is a face behind the counter. Mm-hmm. And you could ask all sorts of questions easily and get a lot of information.
1: I mean that, that style of eating meat is still is still alive in, in Europe. Uh, you know, it's yeah. much less common in America, but you know
0: yes, I, a lot of I people that still that. go to their
1: butcher and still talk to them and you know, it's good. It's a good thing.
0: I was just recently in London visiting one of my daughters who lives there. And um, even the chain, and they're much smaller there, mm-hmm. of course. But the chain grocery stores, you, it, it's like a butcher. I mean, it's very sort of yeah. into it. it's like farming. Co- it's a small yeah. counter, and you can. And they even in the villages, um, you know, the outskirts of London, they all have a butcher shop on the main street. Yep. yep. Still, so. Yeah, well, it's been great, great talking to you, and I will you teach too. your advice. I will always be asking for <laughs> <"Who are> you, <laughs> thanks a lot. Well, I hope to see you time. more. For over 25 years, I was a teacher, and one of my greatest joys in life is seeing people light up when they have an aha moment. It is pure magic. I've now combined teaching with my knowledge of health into live workshops. I teach throughout the country about gut health and how to transform your health. If you'd like to know when I'll be in your city, subscribe to my newsletter in the description of this podcast.